What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. From the headline in the Edmonton Journal a couple of weeks ago, you might remember this story. A Sherwood Park teacher pleads guilty to using racial slur in class, body shaming, objectifying students. Got a $2,800 fine and a letter of reprimand. And I thought at the time, we had this conversation, that, well, what does it take to actually get fired as a teacher? I think in a lot of other workplaces, if you were using racial slurs or making inappropriate sexual comments about your colleagues, let alone young people that you're supposed to be responsible for, you would probably lose your job. Now, I do seem to recall uh, an Edmonton teacher who lost a job for giving students a grade of zero for incomplete work. Not the kind of teacher you probably want to be firing. This one, on the other hand, different story. But it's not just a problem with, uh, with teachers. Problematic teachers not being fired. It, it seems to run the gamut right through governments and, and the public sector. Now, as Tristan Hopper points out in his piece in the National Post today, Toronto Police Constable uh, James Forcillo, serving six years in jail for the shooting death of Sammy Yatim, at an Ontario court dismissed his appeal this week, is still technically a police officer. He has not been fired from his job. He hasn't been paid in, in quite some time, but nor has he been fired. So Tristan looks into the question of why it's so difficult to fire government employees. He joins us on the line here this afternoon. Hi there, Tristan. Hello, thanks for having me. So is it the Forcillo case that, that got you looking into this? No, it was actually, I was talking to my cousin, and he works on the railroad. He does track repair, um, actually near uh, the, the Craigalachie section, uh, you know, where the last mm. bike was driven. He actually yeah. repairs the tracks along that side. I didn't care at all. I was like, was, you know, about the whole Craigalachie connection. Anyway, he was describing uh, some coworkers of his, uh, and they got into their truck, you know, one of those trucks with the uh, that goes up the rails, and they didn't do their homework beforehand, and they got onto rails as a live train was coming at them. They were able to get the truck off the rails before they were hit by the train, but then he finished the story by saying, and they were all fired because that was grossly negligent and they all could have been killed. Um, and then my wife and I, who were hearing this story, we just kind of looked at each other with confusion because, uh, you know, after reporting on enough cases about public sector employees or whatever, never, ever getting fired, I thought, well, what a novel idea. Someone does something reckless and incompetent and they get fired immediately. So uh, in contrast that, you mentioned the Forcillo case. Uh, a couple months ago, there was two Toronto police officers who stole edible marijuana from a crime scene and then took it on duty. And then they were so messed up while on duty that when uh, other police showed up to actually rescue them, uh, they were climbed into a tree with an extreme paranoia. So anybody in your listening audience who's worked on uh, an oil site or whatever, if you take drugs on duty and are completely messed up and you have a sidearm on you, yeah, your supervisor shows up and says, well, you're obviously fired uh, as soon as they show up and escort you up the site. There's no reviews or anything else. You're just fired. And that doesn't exist in government. Well, it seems like it. Now, anecdotally, we can point to these stories and say, well, there's a case of this guy. Why wasn't he fired? That person, why wasn't he fired? But you're, you're actually able to go through and, and look at statistics. We can see on an annual basis how many government employees there are and how many are actually fired. Yeah, so this was a 2010 federal report, and it's linked 
uh, in the actual story. So this uh, looked at the number of dismissals of federal employees. And there's a lot of federal employees. There's 250,000 people. So on average, uh, from the year 1999 to 2010, an average of 127 people per year were fired. That is an incredibly low number. So 250,000 people, and you're looking at only 127. Uh, now, if you actually delve deep into that, I mean, just just imagine any other organization employing that many. Uh, I mean, that's you, you could almost write that off. And all those, uh, that, that, that very small number, if you looked into those, those would be cases in which they're screwing up so badly that you basically have to fire them. So, you know, this is drunk. Uh, this is sexual comments. This is putting people's lives at risk. So unless you're really screwing up so much, uh, you basically don't get fired. And is that because, I mean, is that because the union is really good at, at protecting its members? Or, or what do we attribute that There's to? There's a few factors. So, you, you know, it would be easy. I think everybody just assumes, oh, it's just the unions. They're damn unions. Uh, one of the reasons is there's few incentives to fire a bad employee. So if you're a manager in the public sector, you've got to go through this whole long process to do it. And there's no reward for you doing that. So just imagine the case of a principal. A principal has a bad teacher in their school. Um, now, to actually get that teacher fired, you got to get a bunch of evidence that they're actually having measurable damage on the school. Like, this becomes a second job you have to take on just to get this teacher fired. Or you just transfer them somewhere else or sort of hide them away in some other classroom or make them a music teacher and cut their workload. Uh, so there's very few incentives to actually deal with employees. To contrast that with the private sector, where you're a manager, you got you're running a department, and then someone is making seventy-five thousand dollars a year, isn't contributing anything, is creating a toxic work environment, and the earnings of your department are going down. And it suddenly makes more sense for you to devote more time to getting rid of them because it's going to improve all these other aspects uh, that don't really exist in the public sector. So that's one aspect. And then, of course, you do have stronger uh, public sector unions. And now it's not just the strength of the union. I mean, there's strong private sector unions. It's the fact that they're up against um, uh, they're negotiating with a group that has a bottomless treasury. Um, so a private sector union will, you know, very vigorously defend the jobs of their members. But they know there can be a reckoning if they don't compromise. That doesn't exist in the public sector. You can be as obstructionist and pain in the butt as you want, and you're still going to keep those jobs. You're not going to be. Uh, so obstructionist that you run the company into the ground and all your members lose their jobs. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we hear from time to time about uh, public sector layoffs, but that's more a question of, you know, government saying, OK, we need fewer people or we're trying to cut money here or we're trying to cut money there. But within these individual departments, there doesn't seem to be then much concern about how efficient they are, how well run they are. We've just got a bunch of people and they come in every day and do whatever it is they do. And then it's just that's how it is. Yeah, I mean, the example I use is uh, the fire department. So uh, the rate of fires in Canada has gone way down since the 1970s. Despite that, the number of firefighters has gone way up. Uh, now, I work in the newspaper industry. Um, if we don't have people buying newspapers, uh, we have to lay off whole bunches of reporters. Uh, so you're just seeing newsrooms flashed across the board. Now, if we work for the government, the fact that no one was buying newspapers, that wouldn't factor into the equation uh, of whether we kept reporters on staff or not. But this should matter. And, and you give us some, some interesting examples of, of why it does. There's the possibility then that, that bad employees can become dangerous employees. And then if we can weed out those bad employees, that we can get better employees. Oh, yeah. Everybody can agree on this. So, you know, 
obviously your your small government, you know, pissed off Red Deer Senior who emails me all the time. There's you know there's financial reasons to hate this. You just don't like the idea of someone, you know, getting getting fat on the government seat. I get that, but there's also even if you're hard left and think everybody should have a job and you don't like the idea of firing anybody. Uh, there's prison guards uh, with uh, criminal records who you can't fire, and thus they're going to work in abusing prisoners. Uh, there's uh, There have been multiple cases, I cite in the piece, of teachers uh, who have been uh, accused or even convicted of sex crimes. You can't fire them, so they're still in the school system. Uh, there are cops like James Forcillo, who shoots a guy and is in jail for a violent crime, who is still a Toronto police officer. So uh, there's a variety of different reasons why it's a good idea to get rid of people if they're reckless or dangerous. Um, and I guess police brutality would be one of the most obvious. So if you can't, don't have an easy mechanism to get rid of a cop with a history of violence, uh, they're going to stay in the system until they commit violence against someone. Yeah. And what's interesting, too, and you point to a, a study from a think tank, a left-wing think tank, no less, uh, in the U.S., looking at schools in particular, that if you can get better teachers, it actually, you get better outcomes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's no different than uh, any other organization. I mean, I just think of my own. Um, a, a good reporter who, who can just, you know, crank out stories and always had good has good copy coming in, uh, they're three times as valuable as a, a reporter who's just sort of in the way, is always late on deadlines and treats everybody like garbage and everyone hates them. Uh, so teachers should be no different. So they've done studies. I mean, if you've got a bad teacher, the outcomes are like one third of what a good teacher is. So it's just incredible. So if you've got a student who's got three bad teachers in a row, they're getting like, you know, one twentieth the education of someone who's getting three good teachers in a row. So a lot of teachers unions or teachers organizations uh, in, in in certain districts have sort of figured this out that they can sort of work with management, and if they legitimately like uh, pursuing good, uh, good educational outcomes for, for their students, they say, well, there's a variety of things we can do, including getting rid of bad teachers who are, have been phoning it in maybe for the last 20 years. So, uh, yeah, uh, it sounds obvious that obviously easily getting rid of bad teachers who don't care uh, improves educational outcomes. And, uh, yeah, it, it, even teachers' unions who recognize that it results in better outcomes for everybody. Just because something's obvious doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen, but we can hope. Uh, Tristan, thanks so much for joining us here today. Appreciate it as always. Thank you. Take care. Justin Hopper uh, with the National Post, nationalpost.com. You can read his piece today on why it seems so difficult to fire government employees. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.